0: Outside on the
1: track, yeah. Ha ha ha. He's charming, up. Yeah. Take it out of the bank, go put
0: it up. How's it going today, guys? Back here in the studio. Once again, another episode. Hot takes with TP3. Today is Monday, May 21st, 2018. We got Kobe back here in the studio with us again. Say what's up to the people, Kobe. What's going on, guys? Good to be back. Let's get to it. All right, so let's get down to it, guys. Big game last night, obviously. Rockets, Warriors. I was not very happy with the outcome. Y'all know how... I'm pulling for Houston in this series. I bet we bet on Houston last night. I mean, it didn't go too well for us last night, but the Rockets, uh, they played their worst game of the season. I think that's just the way to look at it. This is a game where Houston turned the ball over 20 times, led to 28 fast break points, or 28 points off turnovers for Golden State. Golden State only had eight turnovers. I mean, that's a huge margin right there. I mean, the Rockets shot 39.5% to the field as opposed to Golden State, who shot 52.2% from the field, and... So Golden State came out uh, hitting shots and firing in all cylinders. KD had 15 in the first half and he had that little run where he got hot right before halftime and they went up by 10 and I think that's kind of where the game was won and lost. Houston kind of got reckless with the ball after that in the second half and Steph Curry buried him obviously with 18 points in the third quarter and kind of found his mojo. He had 26 of his 35 in the second half. I mean it's tough to beat Golden State when Kevin Durant and Steph Curry play like that. The rest of the scoring was kind of evenly distributed but those two guys I feel like did what they needed to and they are the Two headed monster that you expect out of two top five
1: players in the league. Yeah, for sure. um If I'm a Houston fan, I'm a little worried about what I saw last night, especially going into a big game three. You know, the, the Rockets are going to have to take one on the road if they're going to win this series. And I don't know if they can do that in that arena. It was crazy last night. Steph, like you said, was on fire. We finally saw him come to life, finally, with 26 in the second half. Like he said, he only missed two field goals. All the second half, you know. I think the Warriors are more of a like a threat to the Rockets when Steph goes off like that. Um, you know, they, the whole place was just on fire waiting for Steph to, you know, have a have a game like that and when, you know, when he comes out and drops thirty six I mean, he made them look terrible, and if he's playing like that, I don't think the, the Rockets can stop the Warriors at all. Yeah, no, I, d- I
0: mean, definitely agree with you there. When Steph plays like that, they're a tough team to beat. Like I said, two top five players, two guys that are basically unguardable when they play like that. The Rockets did a great job of frustrating Steph and getting in his head in the first couple of games, so I mean, I think they need to get back to what they do, but this is a Houston team that relies on hitting the three ball, they rely on their two stars to carry them offensively, and they rely on their defense to frustrate teams, and I just feel like that their defense wasn't quite clicking with all those turnovers and it was good letting Golden State would do what they want to do Golden State's a team who likes to play fast they're top five in the league in possessions per game so they want to play fast and shoot a lot of three-pointers and they're not necessarily a lot of three-pointers but they want to take a lot of shots and move quick and I just feel like Houston kind of played into their hand by turning the ball over so much so I feel like though Golden State's just such a good team that when Houston doesn't do one of those things right that it, they can get by but when they don't have two of those things working for them they have absolutely no chance like I said I think this is the worst game in the rockets played all season long. This is a game I kind of expected Golden State to bounce back and win after getting blown out and embarrassed. Mm-hmm. The way these playoffs have gone, pretty much any team that gets blown out bounces back the next game. So I mean, means I, I think the Celtics are going to play well tonight, but we'll get to that in a few minutes, but I just think Harden and Paul have to play better. I mean, both of them had Harden I think had 20 and Paul had under 20, 20. had like 13. Yeah, that you can't have 13 points from Chris Paul in a playoff mm-hmm. game and only 20 from Harden when he's averaging 31. I mean, it's just not sure. Showing up at all for those guys, I still think though the Rockets have a chance, but like you said, they're going to have to steal one on the road. That's not going to be an easy task. Golden State doesn't really ever loses at home in the playoffs. I think in this era, they've only lost like two or three games Mm -hmm. at home or something crazy like that in the playoffs. So it's not going to be an easy task at all.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I I read a stat that uh, the Rockets were one in six at Oracle in the playoffs since 2015. So. They're going to have to step that up for sure. And like you said, those 20 turnovers, I mean, that that's going to kill you against the Warriors, especially get, get for the Warriors getting out in transition and getting quick buckets. But my big thing is, like you said, is CP3 only having 13 in this game three. Um, game one, he had 23. Game two, he had 16. But he's not playing as well as he had been previously in the earlier series in the playoffs. So um, my biggest question is, is he going to be able to get it going? Because like, you, like we've said before, you know, Harden's not going to be able to, you know, score... I mean, he's going to be able to score as much as he can, but he's not going to be able to carry the load and beat this Warriors team on his own. Yeah,
0: no, it's definitely not going to be on his own. He definitely needs him and Paul to step up a little bit. I can't count Houston out personally. I just feel like the way they've played all season long and the way they shoot threes and stuff, they only hit 11 threes last, or 10 threes to Golden State's 11 or something. It was only like Golden State hit one more three than them and both teams are in the double digits. I can't remember specifics, but I definitely think Houston's got to hit more three balls. They need more production from other people as well. There was not a lot of production from everyone. I think... Like I've been saying, they need to get rid of Umba Mute's minutes and play um, Joe Johnson more. I think Joe Johnson's one of the better defensive players. Paul Pierce said he was his least favorite matchup, and we know how lethal Paul Pierce was at scoring the ball. So. I feel like that's a big fix they need. Um, I just feel like that the Rockets won't play like this again. I think they're going to show out next game. I think next game is going to be an absolute dogfight. I mean, it's going to be tough. It's going to be no easy task to beat Golden State at home. But Hardner, Paul, one of the two is going to have to summon up one of the better games of their career and one of the ones that we need to remember them by in their career in order to win this game. And I feel like one of these two guys is going to do it though. Personally, I think it's going to be Harden. I feel like that. Everyone now is talking down again about Harden and saying that he can't play up to it. But this is the series that Harden needs to prove himself I mean Harden can define his whole career off this series if he's able to win this series somehow So I feel like it's his time and he's gonna have to step up next game.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um He's got a lot on him, but it's nothing that he can't handle himself Um, I think this game force. I mean the biggest game of Harden. Yeah. and Paul's career Obviously, I mean if you go down 3-1 against the warriors, I mean I don't want to say it's over, but, it, I mean, it's close to over because down 3-1 against the Warriors, we only saw LeBron come back from that, and I don't know if Harden can do it, but we'll see how it ends up in game four. I, I expect the Rockets to put up a little bit more of a, of, of a fight, but that Warriors defense this last game, it was a lot more, you know, they're flying to the ball. Steph, that's, I'm just saying because Steph, when he plays that amazing on offense, I, I think his defense kind of leads to his offense, and it kind of sparks the rest of the team, like KD was – I, they were just, everybody was just flying to the ball last night. And it was hard for Harden to get to the, to the rim and get points. Yeah,
0: no, I mean, Houston just looked demoralized in the second half. Golden State came out on fire and mm-hmm. kind of carried over. And I feel like that's where the game ended. I mean, I think that, I don't think Steph Curry's a good defensive player. I don't think that his defensive end really does anything mm-hmm. for him. But at the same time, I mean, he did have a lot of deflections and tips and did definitely play better defense than I've seen him play. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the Rockets just weren't hitting shots. I mean, they shot to a terrible percentage from the field. But like, like you said, I mean, this is the biggest game of the entire series, falling behind 3-1 under teams, uh, or team up 3-1 wins over 90% of the time, so I mean, when you're down three games to one, it's just not a very easy thing to come back from, so I mean, I feel like everything goes on this game, but like you said, when the Warriors play defense like that, definitely it lets them run, and I mean, this is a team that likes to play fast, they have the athletes in the open floor, and they have those forwards that can handle the ball, so I mean, they just want to get out and run, and that's what the Rockets let them do by being reckless with the ball, I mean, I don't Know if you remember this stretch, but there was that stretch in the second half where that like both teams were just turning the ball over back and forth. Like Eric Gordon just carelessly dribbled the ball away, and the yep. Rockets stole it back. Then Golden State did was just back, and it was like a four turnover possessions in a row or something. I don't know. It was ugly, but. I definitely think Houston's got to take better care of the ball and I think they can bounce back in the next game.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely see if the Rockets can steal one in on game four. Uh, I, I still am going with the Warriors. I, I like the Warriors to win game four Rockets five and the Warriors to wrap it up in six, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I like, I like how the Warriors are playing right now and the Rockets definitely have to step it up if they're going to, you know, get to the finals.
0: Yeah, I feel like that it doesn't really matter about like I've been saying PJ Tucker and Ariza being the X because I feel like those guys do whatever, but Harden Paul, they're going to have to step up this game and absolutely go off. I mean, we just got to hope that somehow they can frustrate Steph once again, but I feel like at home that Steph fuel is fueled off the energy of the crowd. I mean, Oracle is one of the mm-hmm. loudest and hardest places to play in general in the NBA. So I feel like that they fuel that that team is fueled off the crowd. And that's what happened when they get out and run like that and hit all those threes. And see, we got to rockets have to take care of the ball and limit the amazing plays and kind of keep the crowd out of it. And they can't let them go on long runs. The Warriors had a 14 point run in the mm-hmm. second half that just absolutely Absolutely buried them. So, I mean, if the Rockets can avoid long runs, I feel like they can stay in the game. I'm picking Houston, actually, to pull the upset. I just think that Harden and Paul, I mean, they haven't played well the last two games. And I feel like that those guys really didn't play three bad games in a row in the regular season. So, I feel like they're going to bounce back and play a good game.
1: Yeah, um, I I could see where you're coming from. But I think that um, Steph playing like that at home is more valuable to the Warriors than KD playing like that at home. I think the crowd just gets more fired up, you know, when Steph's over there yelling in the camera, said some explicits last (laughs) night, I'm sure everybody saw that, but yeah, I just think that people seeing Steph, I know they hadn't seen him, you know, kind of go go off like that in a while, so that Mm -hmm. may have been a reason they were kind of, you know, excited to see that, but I just think the crowd gets a lot more into it when they see their point guard, you know, Leading the team and going off like that And I think, you know, when Steph goes off You see more results than when, you know KD has 38, like Game 2, KD had 38 points and, you know, they had the loss, and I know it was in Houston, which is a big difference, but with yeah. Steph, you know, when he drops that many points, it's kind of like the whole team kind of gets clicking.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. The crowd definitely loves seeing Steph, and Steph definitely has fueled off them, and like I was saying on earlier podcasts, Steph Curry was not hurt in this series. He no, didn't even look no. a least bit banged up. The Rockets just got to him and whatnot, but the crowd refueled him last night, and it's not it's definitely not looking good for the Rockets, but I feel like they can pull it out if those guys step up, but let's talk a little, who's. Is more valuable for the Warriors here, Steph Curry or KD? I'm personally going with Steph Curry here. I feel like he's more valuable to the team. Uh, the team it, when they're in half-court possessions, no fast break, he averages 1.4 points per possession. That's in the 95th percentile in the league. So, I mean, he's doing something right there that almost no one else is. But when he does that, it also helps with the spacing of the floor because you have to overplay so much to his three-point shot. And Steph's the kind of guy who can pull up from anywhere on the court and hit a three-pointer in your face. So I mean, you can't leave him at all in that open Opens everything up for everyone else There's stat- statistics that show the Warriors are getting Substantially more shots At the rim when the Steph is on the floor They're getting uh, 31% Of their shots at the rim with Steph On the floor without they're only getting 26% In the mid range They're only getting 12% with Steph And then without Steph They're getting 19 and I mean you don't really want to shoot Mid range shots those are the lowest percentage shots um, And then at the Three point line where they're getting high quality shots It's at 19 with Steph on the floor and 26 without Steph. So, I mean, they're definitely getting worse shots with Steph on the floor rather than, with, or I mean, without Steph on the floor rather than with Steph on the floor. But the other thing too is Steph's real plus minus is at six. And the only players in the league that had higher real plus minuses were Harden and Paul at like Mm -hmm. 7.1, 7.3. So, I mean, Steph is one of those players. I just feel like he's more, the KD I think is better, but Steph's more important just because everything he does for spacing and whatnot. Kevin Durant doesn't really need space to get Mm -hmm. shots off. He's not really worried. About it, so I feel like that that Steph completely changes the Warriors' entire way of playing up when he's out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think you hit it on the head right there when you said Kevin Durant's a better player, but Steph's more valuable to the team. Um, like you said, Kevin KD can just kind of you know score on an ISO situation, and Steph kind of gets everybody else involved. Um, I feel like most of Steph's points, you know, they're coming off the dribble, like you know him pulling up from three or him going in the paint finding somebody dishing it out to somebody and I just I like Steph you know to carry this team And I think he's the true leader of this team over KD. I know KD's the better player, but yeah, like you said, I I agree with you that KD or uh, Steph's the more valuable player. Oh yeah, I know for sure. And I think we'll see it more
0: in this next game like we saw last night where when Steph went off in that third quarter, it was game over after that. The Rockets weren't even in, but I think the Rockets come out next game with defensive uh, ready to go for Steph and KD and whatnot and hopefully try to shut them down a little bit more frustrate Steph a little bit more, make things harder for him, but like like we both said it's going to be an interesting series to Mm -hmm. see everything come down to this game four it's the biggest game of the whole series but speaking of game four let's talk a little Cavs Celtics now so game four obviously Cavs Celtics tonight gonna be a big game and I mean looking back on game three I really just think the fact the Cavs hit 17 threes to the Celtics six is why they buried them if you look at it I mean yeah the Celtics shot a bad percentage from the field yeah the Celtics struggle when they're on the road mightily when they're on the road at that and I just feel like though that it's those three pointers both teams turn the ball over 15 times which is not very good the Cavs only shot 48 percent from the field, so it's not like the Cavs came out and had some special shooting night. So I definitely think that the Celtics have a chance in this game. I really like the energy Greg Monroe brought off the bench. He played 16 minutes, had 10 points, 5 rebounds, like I've been saying all series long. The Cavs have terrible matchups on these big men, and I just think throwing another guy like Monroe in the mix, rather than Baines, is a little bit better. I mean, we saw LeBron absolutely destroy Baines when he tried mm-hmm. to bring that two-hand dunk. LeBron <laughs> came out of no historic playoff <laughs> blocks from LeBron again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's crazy LeBron's a small forward and blocks centers like yeah. that when two-hand dunk, I mean, that's supposed to be Mira's powerful dunk. You can't get rejected on a two-hand or like no. that, but <laughs> I just feel like the Celtics are gonna play better quite simply. What are you thinking?
1: Um yeah, I I think they're gonna play better, but I did like what I saw from the Cavs in game three. I mean, right from the get go, you know, we kind of saw them take over right away and the Celtics just didn't really have a chance, it looked like. I liked how George Hill came out firing on all cylinders mm-hmm. to start the game, you know. <clears throat> didn't have to you know leave it to LeBron to like to go off on in the first quarter you know I remember the first quarter game too he had 21 points on a mm-hmm. 13 shooting but you know this uh, last game he only had 12 points you know he didn't have to do as much and you know I feel like LeBron kind of had that mindset going into the game was that he was going to get his other teammates involved because he understands that you know he, he may be able to drop 50 and 15 rebounds and 10 assists but that might not be enough to beat the Celtics team because they're more complete than the Cavs yeah no definitely I mean they lost last game what was it by like
0: 13 points or Mm -hmm. something like that so I mean LeBron had 42 points so you give him the extra 8 they still lose so I definitely agree with you completely on that I agree with you they have to get more people involved they had 6 players in double figures Mm -hmm. and I mean we don't see that too often out of them Kevin Love had 14 rebounds I mean that's what you want to see out of him Kevin Love's thumbs finally gotten better and he's been playing a lot better like we've been seeing I think it would was a big help too that they kind of blew them out last game LeBron played 38 minutes so there was 10 minutes where he wasn't on the floor usually he's out there for 42 to 45 minutes which is a lot more taxing on his body I mean then there was no like crucial minutes down the stretch which is really where it all comes out because that's when you got to play as hard as you can at both ends and I feel like that the way the Cavs played in this game helped LeBron get back and play more defense I mean he kind of locked up Jalen Brown forcing Mm -hmm. him to a lot of bad situations and the Cavs really didn't have anyone to match up on Jalen Brown and when LeBron's matched up On him, it's better. And I just feel like that LeBron's fingerprints were all over this game showing how that I think he's the better player than Jordan, just how he gets his teammates involved like that and how he can go score what he needs to. Um, I know I've said after the last game that role players play better at home, like how we saw Marcus Smart and all them, all those Celtics role players play well at home, and we saw the flip side of things when they're on the road here. They all struggled when they're on the road. Interesting stat here is the Celtics. Um, in their last In the playoffs In road games They averaged 93 points per game Which is the, Which was The last In the NBA Actually in the playoffs On the road And they're also Second to last In field goal percentage On the road Which is 40% Which is Pretty bad I mean that's That's not What you like want at, at all, all. In, the, yeah, in the playoffs At home They shoot 47% From uh, Or from field goals And they Average 110 points Per game So I mean Those are That's what a, a huge Differential Rozier and all Of them build off the crowd like I said about Golden State earlier the Celtics in the Golden State are one of the few teams in the NBA that have a real good home crowd along with like the Jazz the Rockets are okay I mean I feel like though that home crowd people don't realize it's kind of in college sports can do a lot for you we see it energize Steph Curry we see it energize guys like Marcus Smart Mm -hmm. guys like Aaron Baines guys like Terry Rozier I mean even Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum even all the Tatum was kind of the only Celtic that really played well in this last game he was 6 for 10 with 18 points but I just feel like that that home home court advantage means a lot to the Celtics and the reason why I'm picking the Cavs to win this series is because the Celtics haven't lost yet at home in the playoffs I don't care how good of a team you are even these Warriors teams they lose one every now and then in the playoffs at home you're eventually bound to lose one at home I mean it's basketball you can't play your best game every single night and so I feel like they're bound to lose one at home and on the and the way they play on the road I just feel like that they can't get that win on the road they need so I mean I really like Cleveland to come out I think it's going to be a lot closer game I don't think they'll hit 17 threes but I think the Cavs being at home, those role players will step up. They'll win this game by four or five points, and they'll have the mojo they need to go in in Game Five and get a win. I think the Cavs have to win in Game Five because I mean, if you go seven games, you got to throw all everything out the window. It's Game Seven.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I just—I don't see LeBron losing a home game this series. There's just—I mean, I think he's going to dominate at home against the Celtics. Like you said, those numbers, 93 points per game for the Celtics. Yeah, and even if he slacks off, I think his role players will step up. Yeah, his role players yeah, will, step, role up. Players will play, or step up for sure. And I just think that, you know, the best player of all time, to say he's not going to win one on the road in Boston is hard to say. I still like the Cavs in this series. I don't know if they're going to win game 5 on the road or game 7 on the road or if it even gets that far because you know what you never know what's going to happen but I like LeBron winning every home game and possibly steal in game five on the road. That would be that would be the best case scenario for the Cavs. Yeah, and definitely LeBron beat the big three Celtics. Like a
0: championship team mm-hmm. Celtics team in Boston had over again that game that classic game six, which was kind of like the first game when that everyone was like, oh LeBron chokes in the playoffs. LeBron can't play up to the big that was when LeBron yeah. kind of made his statement that like I can do it all. I'm the best player in the, on this planet right now and I will prove it to y'all. And that's when he came out and proved it. And I mean this team's not better than that team. Mm-hmm. So no. LeBron can beat beat them and do what he needs to. Obviously his team's not as good as the big three Miami heat team. That team is really good, but I just feel like LeBron can do it. He's poised. He's got what he needs. I feel like his team will be able to play one good game in Boston. You know?
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying is that, you know, he's going to get the surrounding cast to step up like they did in game three. I mean, we saw love had 13 Corver had 14. Hill had 13. Jr. Smith even had 11. Um, it was just, it was nice to see this other guys get involved and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I think that the defense, you know, really helped how they, you know, get them going their defense led to their offense and that's what you got to do in these playoff games at home kind of like we saw with the Warriors this last game game three with against the Rockets oh yeah no I agree with you for sure big game
0: tonight I mean there's a it's a seven point spread I'm taking the Celtics plus seven I feel like they can cover that and keep it close enough I mean I know I said that how bad they've been on the road but I mean I just don't think that Cleveland's gonna hit 17 three-pointers again because if you look at the statistics like outside of field goal percentage and those three-pointers pretty much everything else is about on point. Point with each other, so I just feel like the Celtics will keep it close and cover that spread, but I mean, also, if you want to, Cavs' money line's a nice little bet along with that seven points.
1: Yeah, I like, I like the Cavs in this one. I like them actually big. I, I think they're going to win by 10 or 15 points, I think LeBron's going to make another statement, and Boston's going to have to readjust for Game 5, or they're going to be in some trouble. Mm, Yeah, we'll definitely see what happens there, but we'll keep it on NBA and move along here to a little NBA draft.
0: Alright, so we'll keep it on here with the NBA and once again, and keep it on NBA draft, like we were just saying, but we'll talk a little Trey Young now. Y'all know how I feel about Trey Young. I think he's I think the sky's the limit for this kid. I think he's the next Steph Curry. I know a lot of people get mad when you say that, but I really think he's the most similar player I've seen to Steph Curry. Steph Curry Curry, his freshman year at Davidson Played one NCAA tournament game He dropped I think it was 29 points In that game Trey Young went for 28-7 and seven, Shot over 50% from the field And took that game versus URI to overtime When they were mm-hmm. undermatched Kind of like what happened with Steph Curry Then Steph Curry went on that nice run So I mean I feel like there's a lot of similarities Between these two guys And all their aspects of the way they play I think Trey Young's actually a little bit better Of a passer and floor general than Curry is But I think Curry's obviously a better shooter I mean he's the best three-point shooter to ever play the game. Y'all might disagree with me, but that's my personal take on that. So I feel like that there's a lot of similarities between these two guys. I feel like the same way as well that. It took Trey Young four to or I mean it took Steph Curry four or five years to actually like get to that all-star status level and then finally kind of break through and become the superstar he was. I feel like it'll be the same thing with Trey Young. Both players are built a lot smaller Mm -hmm. and stuff. I think both of them will struggle like Curry struggles with defense. Trey Young will struggle with defense in the league, but I think his passing and scoring will be a lot better. Like I think Trey Young's the kind of guy once he reaches his prime of his career and he's fully grown into that body and everything. I feel like he can average 30 and 12 or something like that like that as your point guard I feel like he can do big time like MVP kind of numbers and I feel like he's a great fit for any team in this draft looking for a point guard in a ball dominant system
1: yeah, when I was watching this kid at the beginning of the year last year, he was he was really surprising me. You know, um, over the year he averaged 27.4, and he averaged about 8.7 assists per game. And I was really excited to see how his team was going to end up doing. I was cheering on Oklahoma. I feel like most people were kind of hearing about him dropping 50 and 45 here and 42 there or something like that. But, you know, after I started watching him a little more, I kind of got a little more worried. I think it's high risk, high reward with him in – I say that because you know he started off hot but there was a six game losing streak that the Sooners had at the beginning of February where he shot 19% from 3, he was 11 for 56 and you know I feel like the only way you know he's going to be effective in the NBA is if he can score and you know obviously get other people involved in the game but he's going to have to shoot well and if you know if he can't shoot well I think we saw his numbers go down significantly over the over the last you know 15 or so games of the year the team started 12 one and then the end the season up 18 and 14. So I think that's a little worrisome. You know, he is the closest guy I've seen to Steph Curry, you know, comparable. He's kind of like the same build, 6'2", 180 mm-hmm. type guy, very good shooter. But I'm just a little worried because I don't know if he can do, I don't know if he can be a Steph
0: 2.0. Yeah, no, I mean, I could definitely see why people have worries. It kind of reminds me of Steph Curry, how a lot of people had worries about him. Personally, my my argument and back for him fading at the end of the season is to me, see, college basketball and college sports to me is all about coaching. And in the Big 12, I feel like the two best conferences in basketball are Big 12 and the ACC. And so if you look back on the teams who win the championships, typically, it's typically the older, more experienced teams with the elite coaching. I mean, Lon Kruger to me, is a middle-of-the-pack coach. Like, if you look at the past national champions, Villanova twice, UNC, like, those are veteran teams that they're taking into these tournaments. And even to look back more so, I mean, you had that UConn team with Shabazz Napier in them and then before that it was that Louisville team with lots of veterans and all those teams had elite coaches I mean Kevin Ollie hasn't done as good but I mean the once the Big East kind of dissolved and all those players and now they're the AAC they kind of lost what they had there so I feel like that it was just elite coaching I mean we watched Alabama box and won him and I mean that's like that's like wreck ball defense when mm-hmm. you just got one kid yeah. just getting buckets and there's nobody <laughs> else and you box and one him I think the rest of his team was kind of bad and teams had more film on him and had more time to figure yeah. out the way he played and. Trying to force his other teammates to take a lot of shots. Cause I mean, I would watch a lot of I watch Trey Young play almost every single time he was out there, and there's a lot of times where he tried to get his other players involved, but like they just couldn't hit shots and they couldn't do anything. And so teams were frustrating him, trying to knock him around. I mean, he looked a little banged up and stuff. So that's my argument in return for that is that he's just coaching and they had more on him and tried to make the other players beat him and the other players couldn't. Um, the other thing too is in games where he scored under 20 points, his team lost five of those seven games, and one of those games they won- one was against Omaha, so I mean, Omaha is obviously not a big program, and like, I, like you were saying, how they were so good at the beginning of the season, the Big 12 is where some of the best players and the best teams play, I mean, we had Kansas, Texas Tech, I mean, even Oklahoma State didn't make the NCAA tournament, and they were a great team, and we had lots of good teams, really good teams in the Big 12 this last season, so I just feel like he got to Big 12 play and was going up against a lot better teams, and I mean, home court advantage, and a lot of those are rivalry games, you know, so I feel like that all those factors coming together, is the main reason why he uh, faded down the stretch of the season. But I really do think that he's a special player. He's the first player to ever lead the NCAA in points per game at 27 and 8.8 assists. So, I mean, he's the first player to ever do that. So I feel like this kid is going to be a great fit in the league. I think the Magic are going to take him at six with no point guard. I feel like that's where he's going to go. Yeah. Don't think it's his best fit. I feel like talent goes to die in Orlando. But I think <laughs> Trey Young is special and it won't matter.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely think he's going to be one of those players who you know, kind of like Steph, like you were saying earlier, that it might take him a couple, a couple of years, you know, to get adjusted to the league, you know, get you know, right with his body, you know, get a little bigger, maybe get his shot down to perfection. And I do, I I can see him being a great player, but do I see him being you know Steph Curry? Um, not a chance at all. I think he'll be a good point guard in the league, but I don't think you know he'll be. I don't think he'll be great. My thing. See, I think he's going to be great. I feel like he'll definitely be a league MVP. I don't know if he'll be a
0: champion or have a team like Steph Curry ever did, but I think he can win the league MVP, and I think he can be the kind of guy to be a be an eight-time all-star and carry his team. I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. I mean, I know that's bold to say, yeah. but I really do think Trey Young's going to be that good. I feel like he's the real deal. I don't think Cleveland will take him like everyone thinks him and LeBron are going to play together. I know I've said before, too, I thought they could play together, but the Cavs roster and that defense is just so bad. I feel like they have to target someone like Colin Sexton or Mikel Bridges, obviously Jackson or Bomba is the perfect fit for them with their rebounding and shot blocking, but neither of them will be on the board when they pick, so I really do like the career Trey Young will have in the NBA, I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from, lots of people agree with you on that, lots of people also I mean, it's, all these prospects I mean, it's going to be 50-50 honestly on if they're good or not, except for I really think Luka Doncic and Aiton are the sure, surefire stars of this draft, a lot of those other players that have a lot of potential, so I mean, we'll definitely Definitely see what happens here. I hope Trey Young doesn't fall down the draft board a lot, but I think no matter what, he'll be off the board by the time New York picks at number nine. I think New York would take him if he's there. So they really need a point guard. So I mean I'm really hype on Trey Young, high up on him, so we'll definitely see what happens there.
1: Yeah, I think um I think it just depends on where, where he ends up going, you know, it kinda it makes you question, like, if Steph Curry would have gone somewhere else, if he would have gone somewhere else other than the Warriors, like, how, is his, how would his career have mm-hmm. turned out? I think, you know, like you said, it has a lot to do with where he's going to go, and that's going to be kind of the deciding factor if he's going to be a great player. All right, so I know we've
0: been hammering basketball for the last couple episodes and all this episode. So let's move over to baseball here and the Dodgers. I've been tweeting about the Dodgers a lot lately. Obviously, they're a big market team. They got a lot of exciting players. I like watching baseball a lot, so I love watching the Dodgers now. They have lots of players like we've talked about in the past, like Kershaw, um, Logan Forsyth. I mean, Seeger out for the season. They've lost lots of big things. So the big question everyone has is should the Dodgers trade for Machado? So looking at Machado right now, he has one year left on his contract contract he's hitting 343 with 14 home runs 42 RBIs the Orioles are definitely going to move him before the trade deadline I mean he's he's already said he's unhappy there there's no shot he resigns there even if they try to make him the highest paid player ever I don't think he'd resign there he's not happy there at all but Machado's a nasty fielder too and looking at things from the Dodgers so they're 20 and 26 they're only five games back though that doubleheader they had against the Nationals in that series it was big for them to win that series the Diamondbacks are in first place right now AJ Pollock their best hitter has gone to the DL Goldschmidt's been struggling so I mean the Goldschmidt's the kind of guy who can win MVP when he's hitting the ball he's struggling we got Madison Bumgardner coming back off the DL soon for San Francisco so they get their ace back I mean what are you thinking here you think the Dodgers should make the move
1: I say you give it a little more time before you know make a decision. Right now, I think they need to wait until like the middle. Of, I know the deadline's at the end of July, right? Is mm-hmm. it? So they have they have about two more full months left. Um, yeah, like you said, they're twenty and twenty six, where they have a four game winning streak. The Arizona Diamondbacks have a four game losing streak, and things you know are starting to look a little brighter in Los Angeles. Um, The only thing to me about why you should go get Machado is how good the NL is. I mean, it is stacked from top to bottom. We see the NL East with the Braves, the Phillies, the Nats. I mean, they're all nasty. And then the Central is good. The Cardinals are up there. Cubs I think he'll start turning around here a little Brewers Brewers for sure Um, but yeah I think you know if the Dodgers can't you know get within a couple games like two or three games within the Diamondbacks if that's what it comes down to towards the trade deadline I think they need to go after him because right now you know it's going to be tough to you know come out of a too big of a uh, deficit you know like eight games deficit would be hard to come back from
0: yeah no I mean I agree with you that it's early and all and you definitely have to play out a little bit I'm actually gonna take the flip side though I think it is time for the Dodgers to go ahead and make the move I feel like with Bumgarner coming back obviously I mean you got the Dodgers I mean not the you got the Diamondbacks struggling right now I mean the Rockies are a really good team too in that division this is the division I picked to be the most competitive in the MLB in the NL and like you said to the NL stacked up with all these teams I I think wild card could get out of the picture here soon and I feel like you need that as an option just with how stacked up this division is I think Colorado will make a big run but I mean we've all seen how Colorado fades the second half of the season and how their splits are hitting the ball away from home so I mean I think the Dodgers have a serious chance and I think they should go ahead and go out and get Machado a couple stats uh, kind of saying they're agreeing with this is I mean they basically have to choose now if they want to blow it up or keep the team together I think this season because they're one of the five teams in the luxury tax and the luxury tax tax penalty is heavy in the MLB. Yeah, that's right. um, their bullpen has given up the most home runs so far this season, but I mean, I still think they have a very talented bullpen. Um, they're 13th in runs right now, 17th in hits. So, I mean, that's kind of like middle of the pack, so I mean, they're definitely getting what they need. They just need like one more hitter. Right now, their top hitter is Matt Kemp, and we all know how Matt Kemp is. Matt Kemp has that is it, bad yeah, hip. Yeah, he started out the season hot last year in Atlanta. Once he, once he re-injures that hip, it's only a matter of time. Before he hurts it again, his stats will shoot down like we've seen <laughs> Happened to him the last couple years in the MLB So I mean they're 19th in errors As well as in like they're As in like the bad side of 19 is in like 32nd would be you have the most Errors in the MLB yep. so I mean That's not what you want to see from them Machado's a nasty fielder and we've seen his hitting Stats so I feel like throwing him in that lineup Kind of pushes your errors down into The bottom part of the top 10 And then or bottom part of it or like closer to Being in the top 10 in errors and Then I feel like that his Hitting kind of pushes you in the top 10. Ten and teams hitting the ball too, so I think they should go out, go ahead and make the move. I think you can get Machado for cheap. I mean, obviously you might have to give a little bit more up if you go for him now, but I think it's worth it if you're the Dodgers because I mean this team's basically going to get to the point here soon where they should either get drop the team down or they should go all in for the win.
1: Yeah. So what would you say if the Dodgers were to start picking up and ended up being first in the NL West? Do you think that they should still go after him? Yeah I mean
0: absolutely I think that they should wait More towards the trade deadline and try to get a bargain For him because I mean the Orioles were stupid To not trade him in the offseason because that was when They could get the most for him. at this point now Teams are just going to be offering them like a little Bits here and there that's why I think the Braves should Possibly go for him too I think the Braves could potentially Steal Machado like if we Gave up that third that third base prospect we Have down there and like one pitcher maybe I feel like we can get Machado from them so I think there's a lot of teams with a lot of Competition for Machado and a lot of teams where He could fit in well on so i Feel like that the Dodgers need to go ahead and make the move now and kind of because I mean obviously whenever you make trades it's not as much in baseball as it is in other sports but I mean there still is a bit because Machado is a personality so they're gonna have to learn how to get along with him and stuff I think they're mm-hmm. better off just going ahead and making the moves now rather than later. Yeah, I can see
1: what you're saying with that. Uh, I definitely see Machado. I mean, he's definitely not gonna be in the Ori- Orioles anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he lands, but I think that would be a, end up being a good pickup for the Dodgers, especially in a tough NL.
0: Yeah, and I think that I think that he would resign to the Dodgers. I feel like he'd want to live in LA. I mean, every big star they wants wouldn't. that LA spotlight. Yeah, exactly. So, find the Dodgers. Trade now. Go get Machado. But this concludes today's episode, guys. More stuff coming for y'all. We'll have a little MVP, MVP argument this week and all kinds of other stuff. So, Kobe, I appreciate having you on. Yes, sir. Anytime. And we'll see y'all again soon.
1: I got on the The with the diners. Every week I change my cloud. got my house. Got a Bentley garage in my house. Got to watch my wrist cause a house. My bitch can't sleep in my house. Make her sleep at a hotel now. And when you talk, when you talking it all cap. And your diamonds ain't looking like tap. I was always looking for the paps. Keep an army me, bitch in my lap.